In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, for you are in me, and my Father is in you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. That reading from John continues where we left off last Sunday. Jesus talking about the promised Holy Spirit, talking about the fact that he was not always going to be with them, but they would never be alone. We are continuing to be Easter people. This coming Thursday is the celebration of the Ascension, 40 days after Easter, the day when Jesus fulfilled what he said to those disciples and he left them and ascended back up into heaven to be with his father from where he'd come. And then it'll just be two weeks from today, or 50 days after Easter, that we'll celebrate Pentecost, when that promised Holy Spirit came to those disciples and comes to us. Well, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit today, and I want to talk a little bit today about what happened after Pentecost when that Holy Spirit began to work and to move in the disciples, later in the Apostle Paul, and finally in us. And the story is in Acts chapter 16. Listen, though, to the beginning of the chapter, beginning at verse 6. And they, meaning Paul and Silas and those who were traveling with them, now we're talking about months after Pentecost. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. Isn't that strange? How it was that they were out preaching and telling the story of Jesus, and Paul said, well, we wanted to go here, and the Spirit didn't let us go there. We wanted to go here, and the Spirit didn't let us go there either. So we kept going. Does God always listen to you? Does God always do what you want to do? No, I don't think so. I learned that very early on in my ministry. You see, after being in the seminary for two years, we go through a year of vicarage, an internship. So the seminary called me in, and with my wife, they sat down and they said, so where would you like to go for a year for your internship? And I said, I know where I want to go. I want to go to New York. I don't think I'd ever want to live there, but for a year it'd be kind of fun to be in New York. So the day of my vicarage assignment came, and I opened up the envelope. Alhambra, California. <laughs> I felt a little bit like Jonah, you know, who wanted to go one place and got swallowed by a whale. Fortunately, I didn't get swallowed by a whale. But I came to Alhambra for my vicarage right after the 1971 Northridge earthquake. 
and I came to Alhambra, and if you know where Alhambra is, it's just east of L.A. on Interstate 10. Okay, God, I understand. And it was a great year. Loved Southern California, loved Alhambra, loved Emmaus. So then I go back to the seminary for a year, and now we're getting ready to graduate and placement. And so again, the seminary calls you in and they say, well, where would you and your wife like to go for your first call? And I thought a lot about it. I said, I want to go to Wyoming. Wyoming? Why in the world would you want to go to Wyoming? Well, I was kind of selfish. I said, I love to hunt and fish. I've got half a library I never read. I'd like to have some time to read. And Wyoming might be a good place for that. So the day of calls being distributed, as we just had at the seminary a couple weeks ago, and I opened up the envelope, Alhambra, California. <laughs> Back to where I had been for my vicarage. Now, that became a wonderful, wonderful call. And I suppose you could say the rest is history. But how it is that we, even for Paul, Paul had an idea of where he wanted to go and preach or where he thought he should be, but the Spirit, as he said, prevented him. Well, then it goes on in Acts 16. And behold, there was a vision. And in that vision... They went through all the cities that they had delivered to them in observance. And they were called and went to the region of Macedonia, the region of Phrygia and Galatia. Having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, and when they had come up to, to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia and, again. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, a man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel there. Paul, that one who had been the enemy of the church, now becomes the great apostle of Christ being led by the Spirit of God to where God wanted him to preach. And he comes to Macedonia. Now there, an interesting story occurs. It says they arrived in Macedonia. Setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace and following through Neapolis and from, from there to Philippi, which is the leading city of the district of Macedonia a Roman colony. And on the day of prayer, we went down by the river, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatria, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. And the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul, and after she was baptized, and her whole household as well, she urged him, saying, 
If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. God had a plan. God had a plan for Paul. God had a woman that he had chosen by the name of Lydia who was a person of faith, but not necessarily yet a Christian. She believed in God. What else do we know about Lydia? Not very much. She might have been a widow, or she may have never been married, because there's never any mention of a husband. But the story of Lydia is a beautiful story of how God works through the Spirit to bring people to faith in Jesus Christ, because Paul begins to teach there these women who are by the river in a place of prayer on the Sabbath. And as Paul preaches and teaches, Lydia comes to believe in Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. And says, and this is very common in, these, in that first century, and she and her whole household were baptized. It wasn't just a matter of individual faith. It was anybody who in her household. So that would have been if there were any children, if there were any servants, it might have been sisters and brothers, it might have been parents, but whoever was part of her household, extended family, were baptized and came to faith because the Spirit of God led Paul to Philippi, which is part of Macedonia, to a woman of faith. Now, if you read further, Philippi is the church of Philippians. And the church of the Philippians is one of the largest of the seven churches in the first century. That that church planted there in that place because Paul had a vision and because a woman of faith is baptized and that church grew to be a significant church of the first century. The Spirit of God works through people. Many years ago, well over 120 years ago, the Spirit of God moved through a group of German settlers who came to a place called California, who came into a small little community we know as Orange. And they settled here, and what did they bring with them? They brought their faith, and they brought their families, and they brought their church, and they built their church, which we know as St. John's today. Now, Pastor Tim always likes to tell the story, so you've probably heard it before. But he tells the story about back there in the 1920s that the settlers who had founded St. John's built that sanctuary. And they built that sanctuary to seat 800 people when there weren't 800 people living in Orange. Great people of faith, great people of vision, great people of excitement because they didn't want a church just for their families. They didn't want a church and eventually a school just for them. They wanted people to come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior because they were led by the same Spirit of God that led Paul to Philippi, 
led them to Orange, California. Now, it wasn't always easy. If we read a little farther in the book of Acts in chapter 16, it wasn't always easy for Paul, too. A little later in Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas go on, and they are confronted by a young woman who is possessed by a demon. And she's possessed by a demon, and she keeps calling out, Beware, these are men of God. These are people who know Jesus. And Paul, it says, finally got so frustrated with her that he cast the demon out of her. Now, as a demon-possessed young woman, she had the ability to tell the future. And she made great money for her owners. And when they could no longer make money out of this demon-possessed young woman, they had Paul and Silas thrown in prison because they'd lost their livelihood. Well, you think about some of the challenges that have happened here for St. John's through the years. Not long after they built that beautiful sanctuary, the Great Depression. And St. John survived. And then came World War II. And at the beginning of World War II, those German settlers were still questioned. Were they Americans or were they Germans? And in, in the beginning of World War II, many of our German Lutheran churches had to commit themselves to being American and fight against Germany. But on and on, the struggles went. COVID, and we survived. And God continues to use the ministry of St. John's, its school, and all of the aspects of it to reach this community with the love of Jesus Christ. The same spirit that led Paul to Macedonia. I have a very good friend. He was one of my mentors as a young pastor. His name is Pastor Will Zone. He was a pastor. He was a district president long before I was. He was the head of the mission board of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod for a few years. He served in a variety of other capacities through the years, and he's always had a passion for people coming to know Jesus, that same spirit. Will now is retired on his small little acreage in Texas, quite a bit older than I am. And he tells the story about two years ago. He woke up in the middle of the night, and he was restless. He just couldn't sleep, and he wrestled with, he just, he just could not understand why the people of God in Jesus Christ, particularly in the Lutheran church, just weren't as excited as they could be about telling people about Jesus. And why was it that the church continued to decline across the United States? Why was it that the Lutheran church in places like, like Ethiopia and Madagascar were growing so fast and the church in the United States, not just the Lutheran church, but the Christian church in the United States continued to decline? 
He wrestled and he wrestled and finally he decided. He went into the scriptures and as he went into the scriptures, he found 42 different passages, primarily New Testament passages, that talked about God sending people to the world, talked about God sending people to communities like the story of Paul. And he found those 42 passages and he studied those 42 passages and finally, about two years ago, he contacted 25 of us who were retired church leaders, retired district presidents, and he said, I want to provide a book. I want to provide devotional material. I want to provide a Bible study for people to understand the sending power of God, the leading power of the Holy Spirit. So 15 of us responded. And he gave to the 15 of us those 42 passages. 15 of us who are former district presidents, even the former president of the Synod. And a year ago, Will's dream came true. And he published a book called The Great Sending, subtitled God's Heart for the World Beating Through You. And this man of God, led by the Spirit of God, saw his dream fulfilled. And it continues to grow. The greatsending.org website. The greatsending.org website. God uses people. God used Paul and Silas. God used the founders and settlers of St. John's. And God uses you and he uses me as he sends us with that great hope and promise of Jesus Christ. There's a movie playing in the theaters right now. If you haven't seen it, I encourage you to see it. It's called Father Stew. Now it is R-rated, so it's not for young children, but it's R-rated primarily because of some harsh language. But Stuart Long, true story, Stuart Long was a young man who was a fighter, an amateur fighter, and he wanted to become a professional fighter. And he fought hard to become a professional fighter, but he wasn't good enough for that. So Stuart Long struggles with what he's going to do with his life. And he comes to Hollywood. And there he meets a young woman a woman of faith who introduces him to Jesus Christ and helps him to understand God's great love for him through Jesus Christ. Now the story is, is done in the movie produced by Mark Wahlberg who was motivated by his great friend Mel Gibson and the passion of the Christ. And the story is of Stu who comes from a young struggling man to faith in Christ and a desire 
to be a Catholic priest, for he's introduced to Christ through the Catholic Church. And his desire is to become a priest to serve God with that love of Christ. And the movie's about all the struggles that he goes through and the difficulties he has in his life. And finally, he makes this testimony towards the end of the movie. With all the suffering and all the struggles he's had, he said, my suffering is a gift from God. In this life, no matter how long it lasts, it's a, it's a momentary affliction preparing us for the eternal glory. God works through people led by the Spirit of God. And God works through St. John's. But even more importantly, God works through you. And he works through me. Too often today, people know only what the church is against. They don't know what the church is for. And because they only know what the church is against, they never learn what the church is for. To teach the love of Jesus Christ to a dying world. To bring the love of Jesus Christ to a hurting people. And so may God use us. May God use our church. But may God use us. You and me to help people know what the church is for, the love of Jesus Christ in their life and ours. God, bless us that we may be led by the Spirit to witness your love to others. In the name of Jesus, amen.